Getting started with AWS Networking with Darren Fulwell and Joel DeSanier, episode 86. How can you get started with AWS Networking right now, today? And, and more importantly, why should you? What's the business benefit? What's the business impact? All right, find all of this out and much more in this episode. Welcome back, my friends, nerds, geeks, and Ziglets out there. We have another episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where Zigabytes are faster than those gigabytes. We strive to provide real-world context around technology. Hey, what's up, everybody? I hope everyone is doing great. Zig Ziga here. Welcome to episode 86 of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast. Once again, my name is Zig Ziga. I am here to help you with network engineering, network design, and network architecture. And today, you are going to learn how to get started with AWS networking and why you should get started with it. And to help me with that, I am joined by two good friends of mine, Darren Fulwell from IP Fabric and Joe Desanier from AWS. And yes, that means you have three, not one, not two, but three Cisco certified design experts on the show today. And we're going to cover this and so much more. Before we jump in, I want to let you know that I have opened up my network design course. Yes, it's a thing. It's happened. It's open. It's titled Designing Network Architectures and Ensuring Business Success. Yes. Now, the purpose of this course is to make you the best and network designer you can be. It's targeted to everyone in this amazing networking industry, no matter if you're just starting out out of college or high school, or if you're a 30-year veteran network engineer, it's going to help you become the best network designer you can be. This course is going to change your career and your life. Hey, if you're interested and want to hear more, go to zigbits.tech slash DNA. And until April 30th, this month, 2021, use the discount code BEST NETWORK DESIGNER. One word, all caps, to save 10% at checkout. Hey, if you have any questions, you can reach out to me on Discord or email me directly at zig at zigbits.tech. Hey, everyone. So this week was Cisco Live 2021. Oh, I would love to hear your feedback, your general comments about Cisco Live this year. Um, it, it was a couple days, and, and here we are. It's Friday now this week, and I just want to know what your feedback was, the pros, the cons, uh, the positives, negatives. Uh, what did you enjoy? What did you miss? What did you want to see more of? What did you like the best at Cisco Live this year? Um, please let me know if you want to go ahead and hit me up on Twitter, LinkedIn, Twitter's at Zigbits or at Zig underscore Ziga. Uh, LinkedIn, you can go ahead and find me there. You can always email me at zig at zigbits.tech as well. Uh, but I would love to hear your feedback. Again, what did you like about Cisco Live this year? What did you miss from Cisco Live this year? want to kind of do this after action report on Cisco Live. I'd love your feedback. Please do let me know your thoughts. All right, enough of me yapping away here. Hey, guys, thank you so much for joining today. I really appreciate it. Hey, Darren, how are you doing, buddy? It's been a while. How are you doing? Yeah, it's it's too long as always, Zig. Too long. Um, fantastic day today. It's glorious sunshine outside. Spring is finally here, and it feels like I don't know. It just feels like we, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, right? And and we're getting there. We're getting there. That's the important thing. So yeah, like a marathon. Super it's like a marathon, right? It's been oh. this long, almost like a triathlon or whatever. I don't know. It's right? a slog, right? <laughs> it's, it's, a slog. it's been yeah. a slog, yeah. But you're doing well. It's sunny. It's sunny here as well. So it's All actually good. nice outside. A little cold, a little windy, but not too bad. It's been raining the last three days, so it's nice to have no rain today. Um, glad to have you, Darren. As always, Joel. Pleasure how are, as always. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Zig. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been far too long. I think it's I, I think it's been a couple of years since uh, we you know worked together on the CCD study group. Um, things are good here as well. So as you know, I'm I'm in Ottawa, up in Canada, and today is warm as well. So the snow actually finally all melted here uh, just just a few days ago. So it looks like uh, we're getting an early spring as well. So I'm pretty happy about that. That's awesome. That's awesome. So supposedly, my wife and I were looking at the news yesterday. Supposedly, we we're supposed to have more snow on Thursday this week. And I'm like, what? what? Here, here we have this nice weather. It's nice outside. I want to go sit on the porch and do work or whatever, right? And no, we're going to have snow in a couple of days and then it's going to melt and it's gonna get, we're going to have a mud pit again. So that's just how our life is. So. Yeah, the, joy, the joys of spring. Yeah, exactly. The joys of spring, right? Rain one day, snow the next day, and, and then sunny the next day, right? 
But yeah, thank you guys both for joining today. I really appreciate it. I've been excited about this show. And so real quick, just going to you know pitch this as everyone that listen, is listening. You know, This is all about AWS, AWS networking, if I could talk today. AWS networking, and it's getting started. How do we get started with AWS, AWS networking? And, and why do we need to? Right, That's really what we're going to talk about today. And, and Darren and, and Joel are going to help me. Keep me honest. We're going to just hit the ground running, everyone. So my first question to both of you, why cloud? Why? Wow. <laughs> yeah. But uh, that that question. Oh, how many times do you get asked that, Joel? You must get asked that all the time. Why cloud? Uh, do you know what you know what my answer is going to be, Zig? It depends. <laughs> of course, I mean, it is. Uh, I'm sorry, but but it depends because because right. So I've worked for a for a consultancy for for a good few years, and and one of the things that that we used to do a lot of was looking at, at cloud migration, right? And the and the reasons were were straightforward. Um, I suppose it was very much like looking at a any sort of outsourcing deal from the from the the, the late nineties, early two thousands when everyone was doing outsourcing, right? It was about cost. Cost was the driver. You know, that was the thing. And and the way to save cost was to go and and get someone else to look after your infrastructure and blah, blah, blah. I think a few years in, we kind of know that that's not the reason why you're doing this, right? And and I'm sure Joel has a whole load better reasons than that to uh, to explain to us why people are, are taking that leap. Exactly. Yeah. What I would say is, so there, there's a, and you're absolutely right. It it depends, right? And there are there are different use cases or reasons why customers choose to deploy their workloads in the cloud. <clears throat> Some of them are related to costs. So by by moving away from running and, and maintaining data centers. Um, some data center providers are, are you know, um, coming with these increasing costs based on labor rates going up and uh, the, the cost of power and cooling, et cetera. Um, but, but customers can, you know, realize cost savings benefits by going to the cloud. You're also able to trade capital expenses for variable expenses. So instead of having to come up with these, you know, multi-million dollar uh, upfront costs to build this this data center infrastructure. Um, as you consume from the cloud, it, it's it's using a pay-as-you-go model. So it kind of turns um, that that capital expenditure into a into an ongoing variable expense based on consumption. But but actually, uh, Darren and Zig, the, the the biggest reason why we see customers choosing to move to the cloud is for the ability to increase speed and agility. So think about a startup that's looking at you know testing an idea or experimenting with something. Um, instead of having to make a, a, a which could be a costly um, commitment to experiment with with, uh, with with a startup with an application, it could be a mobile web app. Um, they're able to deploy into the cloud quickly, consume the services, and if that idea doesn't pan out, they could simply turn the services off, and they're not they're not billed uh, for you know uh, which which could be an experiment that failed. So um, again, a, a lot of different reasons, but but the ability to experiment and to be quick and agile is, is the biggest benefit of cloud, I believe. So, so, yeah, so, I mean, that, oh, I, go guess, ahead, Darren. I guess, sorry, I was just going to say, I mean, that ties back to how I guess a lot of organizations first experienced cloud, right? Was was developers using um, that, that cloud resource that they could get hold of quickly, that, you know, they could pay, pay for with their credit card and they could just spin stuff up, do stuff, tear it down and, and move on, which kind of ended up with the whole shadow IT scenario and all the rest, you know, and, and all the bit. Yeah, but it did, right? The, there was a time before organizations really grasped that cloud had its benefits. It was a, it was a dirty word, right? Because people were using it in, in that way and, and you know, weren't, weren't able to control the, the, the expenditure, I suppose, because there were lots of little pockets of it popping up in organizations. I think... Things have moved on, and a lot, right? I think I think you're absolutely right that people have grasped the the flexibility aspect as being as being really the most important thing. Now, it's it's right, it's consumption, isn't it? It's basically looking at, at IT as and and looking at the consumption model and not thinking not thinking I've got to buy this stuff in order to make this thing happen, but I want to consume this thing. This is the process I do. It's all automated. It's all easy to to incorporate into my process. So I just rock up and I do it, and and then accept that that how that charging works means that I've not got to buy loads of stuff and and operate it to make it happen. Yes, yeah, so, that's exactly right. 
I was going to add, like, I was, so I mean, I just want to make it clear that we don't have to buy hardware anymore, right? That That's the, the big, and for network engineers, like historical legacy network engineers where, you know, you have your development team or your software team or whoever it is in your company coming to you and saying, hey, we need to build out a new service. Hey, we're a software as a service company. We need to build a new service. And you come back and say, well, it takes about nine months to get approval for new hardware and then get it up installed, get it up and running. Um, maybe we could streamline that to three months, we're, we're cloud, not being vendor agnostic, cloud agnostic, right? Cloud lets you just do it, right? You just, what? I don't know. You had to give them your credit card probably. You had to create an account. And then you can just deploy things and test it and then stop. That, that's that's exactly it. Yeah, and in some cases, like um, cloud service providers offer uh, a free tier. So you can get started and experiment. You could do some labs and, uh, and actually not be charged for it as long as you stay within the, those free tier confines and you launch, you know, resources that are that are available in that class. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story, Zig, actually, like talking about, you know, acquiring physical hardware and, and some of the some of how that's changed with with cloud computing and how everything is virtual and you could consume it as you wish. Um, when I when I was about uh, 23 years old, I was studying for my my CCIE uh, routing and switching. And, and this was back. Uh, back in the days when networking wasn't as virtualized. And I, I spent like almost all of the money that I had in my bank account at the time on routers and switches. And I, and I built like a lab because I was studying for, for the lab exam. And it cost me thousands of dollars. I procured all of this equipment. I bought it on eBay. And, uh, and times have changed because now if you're looking at um, learning you know, IT and it, and it doesn't just have to be networking. If you're learning about, you, know, you want to experiment with software engineering or analytics or machine learning, because of cloud computing, you can do exactly that. You have access to these, you create an account and with a credit card, um, you have access to the service and you can start to experiment and learn without having to go and buy all of this uh, networking equipment like, like you know, we, we used to do in the old days when we were studying for these Cisco exams. So, so times have changed uh, I, and I think for, for the better. <laughs> Yeah, I remember buying like racks and racks of equipment years and years ago for the CCIE lab. And I remember yeah. my wife yelling at me with all the power <laughs> consumption and cables everywhere. And and then I went to GNS3 and I only had switches. Like I got all my yeah. routers into GNS3 back in the day. I mean, this was years ago. I don't even know. I think everyone's using like uh, CML now and, and EVNG. And I don't even know if you need a physical lab anymore. But where exactly where are they running it? They're running it. That's in the question. The They're running it in the cloud, right? Because of the resource requirements, you're not going to run it on a machine. Well, that's what some people do. But why run it in a machine in your garage when you can when you can run it in the cloud? And that that's exactly what we're saying here, isn't it? It's about the availability of resource to scale up when you need it, to trash it when you don't need it, uh, and only pay for what you're using at a given point in time. So it makes sense to me. It's a really cool business model, honestly. Like it really is. If you're, because we're business folks, right? We have this, and and just for the record, for everyone else in the call, I didn't mention at the beginning on the call, huh, <laughs> on the podcast. Um, uh, all three of us are CCDEs, so we're all certified uh, design experts, uh, Cisco certified design experts. Um, and, and for us, like we always want to know why. Why are we doing this? Why is this a benefit? What what are what are our customers getting out of it? What is the business getting out of it? What is it meeting, right? And I'm my, that's my soapbox. So um, this is the same case here. What what are we getting with all this? And it, it's clear, right? Flexibility and we can reduce cost. Um, we can increase our time to market on new things. So we could make more money potentially, right? We could increase our time of market on building something new, getting it deployed, tested, developed, and then launching it to the consumers, and making more money, Darren. You want to say something? I was just going to say, and and scale, right? Because oh, the other yeah. thing that we've not we've not touched on is not just scale in terms of numbers of transactions or or whatever, but in terms of location. What if I want to deploy a service that that we're going to use in this in the US? Okay, I'm in I'm in little old blighty, you know, over here this side of the pond. You know, there's a bit of latency in those undersea cables, right? Why, why would I want to not deploy an instance in, in the US? Well, rather than go hire, you know, build a data center out there and all the rest of it, I just fire it up in, in a, you know, an availability zone in a, in a region that's closer to you guys, right? And, and that capability, along with all of the other services that you can, you can localize as well, you know, you're onto a winner, but you've got to build things properly. And this is, this is the downside, I think that it's all right, it's brilliant, in fact, to have all this available, but 
if you don't deploy it properly, A, it's going to cost you a fortune, um, and B, you're not going to get the benefits that you expect. Is that fair, Joel? Exactly. I, I would totally agree. And, and we talk about deploying something properly. So one, one, of, one of the technology domains that I, I would say is adjacent to cloud computing is DevOps. So, and, and they kind of go hand in hand. Um, and DevOps, again, is, is kind of uh, blending into networking with, with Net DevOps. So when you're looking at deploying something in, in a traditional data center on a, on a, in a campus network, um, traditionally that's been box by box and there was some manual configuration uh, prone to human error. Um, you're paging network engineers in the middle of the night and, and that, that, that's how it's been for, for years and years and years. And that's how it was you know, b before um, I started working in the cloud. That, that's, that's how my, my career was. Um, with cloud computing, Network engineers um, are encouraged to learn a little bit about, and you don't have to become a software engineer, but learning about network programmability and automation and understanding how you can write code, and it, this could be in Python or Java, um, you write that code so that if it's properly written, it's not, it's not prone to a lot of human error if it's tested. Um, you could use that, that code base to deploy your network in, in one region, and then you could repeat that to deploy it into another region. So talking about deploying something properly. We, we want to encourage you to use software, use version control, um, and use a pipeline to make those changes into the cloud so that if you're, if you're looking at making changes or additional deployments and, and you're looking at scaling out, um, you're, you're leveraging that, that code base that has been tested and you're essentially eliminating human errors. So things are, are, will be done properly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess the other part of that is understanding the services that are going to be deployed on that as well, right? Mm, because yes. because if you build the services in the right way, there are certain uh, little tricks that, that over time we've had to do as network engineers in order to, to get things working that we just don't have to do anymore because we've got the opportunity to teach people to build applications properly. Oh, wait, means what? that Yeah, right. So so no more no more layer two DCI. You know, no I, more. I love no spanning VLANs. I love spanning VLANs between data but centers. All of those things, all of those things. But this is what I'm getting at. You, you're because if you deploy apps in in a in a cloudy way, what mm. you're doing is you're load balancing. You're using DNS. You're doing all of the things that make a network engineer's life, well, just that little bit easier, right? In terms of actually deploying the stuff. But but you have to understand it. And I think this is another thing that you just mentioned there, Joe. The network engineer has to take a wider view and understand that's more right. of the infrastructure that sits outside, outside the circuits, outside the, the the wires and the cables and the switching. You've got to know more. Look wider. Understand how applications work better. You got to understand. Sorry, it. You, that's that's my soapbox, you, right? You, you got to be an enterprise architect. You got to be an enterprise like you got to and and not to be like that coiny that that. It's like a buzzword, right? I feel like it's a buzzword. So, um, but you truly have to see the full picture and understand how everything plays together, and then and then adapt it and, and ensure that it is going to meet the needs of the business. Um, a couple of things you both said, and I want to I want to call out a couple of things, right? So, isn't it amazing that we come back to this thought that we have to make programs and software properly? I feel like that, that is, I, I personally, and I'm on another soapbox, right? But I feel like we as network engineers, if we go back 20 years ago, we were doing things that we shouldn't have done on the network side because the applications were not built properly. Like that is an underlying, like, like why are we spanning layer two? Why are we doing SDP, spanning tree between two different data centers? Like, oh, because the application doesn't support layer three. Like, well, that's a problem, mm -hmm. right? That's a problem. It, it brings back an idea in my head and I'm a computer programmer by trade. So, so everyone knows this, I think, but I'm a, my degree is in computer science. So when I see someone put hard-coded hard -coded IP addresses and hard-coded host names or whatever in their code, I'm like, I'm cringing inside. Ugh. But this is the same concept, right? We have to span layer two. In cloud, we don't have to worry about those things, right? But we do have to worry about the application being built correctly. Um, to facilitate the cloud aspect, I think, to be able to work in these different regions. Go ahead, Darren. You want to say something? No, I was I was just going to say, I mean, you you do and you don't, right? Because because it, you know there are mechanisms that 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 make life easier to take what's what we've got in an on-prem DCs and move them into the cloud environments. Um, I think I think that the, the problem was always 
for me, it was it was when we looked at resilience and, and understand what we mean when we say, how do we make a data center resilient, right? Because from the network was always about making sure that whatever connectivity you've got in a in a in a good sort of normal active scenario that you had in a failure scenario, right? And and there was always an assumption there that whatever servers you had or whatever applications you had would have access to exactly the same resource when you were in a failure scenario as when you were active. So, and that includes IP addressing and routing and all of those good things, which is why we had to jump through the hoops in order to, to, to fix the problems from the higher level because the higher level always assumed that those services would be available and didn't know any better. And to be fair, that's as much our fault as anyone else's. You know, it's an education thing, whatever it is. Okay, it's it is it is exactly what it is, and and there's there's no way you're going to get around that. The the point here is that that in order, and I think cloud cloud has been an opportunity because what it's shown is that if things are done in a different way, that you've got a whole load of extra capability. An mm -hmm. extra um, facility that you just wouldn't have had otherwise. So, I mean, I I look at I, and I'm just going through the process of studying for the uh, advanced networking specialty, right? Which I failed miserably last year, <laughs> and uh, I'm hoping not to mention that, but I've just gone and dropped myself in it. You did, um, and it's it's on it's on <laughs> record, right? It's, like it's, it, it's, it's done. It'll yeah, be in the show notes out. too, Darren. <laughs> But but the but the point is that when when you you look at that you're not just talking about you know IP subnets and you're not just talking about mm -hmm. routing and gateways and whatever and circuits and direct connect and whatever you're talking about CloudFront and you're you know S, um, uh, CDNs right you're talking about DNS Route 53 you're talking about these sorts of aspects which are much more application focused. Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, they change what the requirements are of the connectivity, and so this is what coming, you know, doubling back, understanding that bigger picture, helps us as network engineers. But it also helps the people deploying the applications because they, you're able to help them and educate them on what the networking requirements are. And I think that was the bit that was missing. I, in a, in a way, back in the day, we we weren't in a position to educate people of just how how difficult it was. Uh, or how big a problem it was in order to jump through those hoops to to give them the connectivity they needed, and then it was too late. You know, then it was it was too late, and and we were having to deal with uh, spanitry. <laughs> but but also but also you take it on even now. You know, an on-prem DC infrastructure where you're running VXLAN between between you know two fabrics in two different locations, but then still having to route it out into the network. Those sorts of things are still problems, and we still haven't got great solutions for them. Um, even now, you know, we can we can manipulate BGP or we like we can we can mm -hmm. change stuff, but ultimately you've still got the problem of if I root stuff here, do I root stuff back the same way or do I root it over there? And what does that symmetry look like? And what happens if I put security on top of it? So on and so on and so on. Well, hey, why not take all of that out and use the proper constructs and the proper way of deploying an application in order to, I call it proper, different, but but mm -hmm. but it takes away those problems. And that's what cloud gives us the opportunity for, I think. Sorry, that was a long-winded. And, and, and Darren, one of the things that really interests me, and, and this, this is something that is available in the cloud, are, are serverless design patterns. So, mm. for example, um, with, with uh, traditional uh, application architectures that exist out there, there's a dependency on the network. You have to have uh, subnets with CIDR blocks and you know network access control lists. You have to have... Uh, permissions for that inbound and outbound, you know, TCP, uh, HTTPS access. So, so there's there's a big dependency on having that network properly configured and implemented accordingly, and it has to be modified. Uh, with serverless, thing, things change completely. So you could you could you could launch an application in the cloud that um, does not have any uh, requirements to configure IP addresses. So um, the scale and the availability, the security of those underlying services becomes the cloud service provider's responsibility and and um, securing that application uses completely different services. So, so making calls between the various cloud services is done by, by locking down the APIs and, and, uh, and authenticating those API calls. 
um, you, you could use like a web application firewall to secure your front end versus running like a traditional commercial grade firewall software on a virtual appliance. So, so things really change and it, it, it gives, um, it gives builders the opportunity to experiment with a completely d different design pattern. And there's still a lot of complexity and there's networking and I'm sure there's, there's spanning tree and there's VLANs under the hood, but all of it is masked um, and, and you kind of move up the stack and it's masked by the cloud services provider. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think there's that, other, that ab another, I think there's a, that, like what you just said, abstraction, right? Yeah. I think you're, you're, you're able to decouple for, for customers that are a cloud pro, cloud customers, don't have to handle any of that other stuff anymore, right? And in every aspect of that, they don't have to buy it, they don't have to maintain it, they don't have to manage it and patch it, and, and you know, it's so much time-consuming work to do O and M work, operations and maintenance alone. But let's let's take a step back. You got to design it, you got to you got to implement the design, and then you got to maintain it. And when there's a problem, you got to fix it. All that, and I, I think we don't highlight this enough. All that is being done by the cloud provider, right? So that person can now focus on business initiatives. Like, Just think of that, right? We can focus on whatever business initiative needs to get done right now versus overhead. You want to say something, Darren? You always do. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, to a point, right? Because, because and this is this is where the problem comes in my head, is that, that when we were doing this, that when I was working in this consultancy and we were dealing with, with customers connecting to, to whichever cloud service, AWS, Azure, Google, whoever, they because they didn't because they, they they what you just said they believed that completely that like oh i don't i don't need to care about about how i connect to the cloud because i just do this stuff up here and i can just get to it and then and then you start to think well actually what about how you how you maintain the stuff up there and how you structure it and what you build it from and how there's there's a front end and a back end, and sometimes you want to build a service that's internet facing. But what happens if you want private connectivity mm -hmm. to it in order to manage it and maintain it? So where the complexity's gone from dealing with the switches and the trunk links and the VLANs and the and the IP routing at the at the underlay, you've still got to worry about what's overlaid over the top to some mm -hmm. extent. It's it's a different it's a different thing to worry about, and I think this was this is the big the, the most striking element for me was that that what I came into some of those scenarios where uh, let's say um, a, a customer had de de wanted to deploy an app into into AWS and they'd, and and the cloud an infrastructure guy who might have become a cloud infrastructure guy had gone ahead and built him a VPC and he put some subnets in and thrown some gateways in and all the rest. And then all of a sudden gone, ah, oh, this doesn't root the way I expected it or something's not working or my security groups or whatever. And, and it's then, oh, help network guy. Network guy rocks yeah. up and goes, what the flipping heck is this? What, 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 what this makes no sense and 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 there's the gap there's the thing mm -hmm. it's why we're having this conversation right now right because this is the bit the gap that we need to fill well i think you still yeah. need to know that what's happening i think you still need to know how to troubleshoot right like you still need to because you're the one i mean think of it your role's not changing you're still a network engineer and when you're on-prem you're still the point of contact when something fails right they assume it's the network everyone assumes it's the network unless you can prove it's, it's not the network, the network right it's always the network. unless it's dns yeah unless it's dns <laughs> um or time ntp it might be time i don't know it might be ntp <laughs> um <laughs> What, 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 I, what I've seen, Zig, is um, like working with customers, I, I've seen sort of two different approaches. Some, some customers that are smaller startups that are, that are just starting to launch, like it could be a new web app that they're building. And, and this, is, this is a small organization. There's only a few employees. Um, they'll have like a full stack engineer. And again, I, I hate to use these, <laughs> these, uh, these coin terms, but, but a full stack engineer really looks at the, the whole spectrum. So they have some, some web development, some backend development. They may know Python. Um, but they're also able to deploy the the network in the cloud, and and it, it could just be because, um, and I and I've seen some full stack engineers that have only been in IT for a few years. They haven't worked in the traditional networking, so so they haven't lived, you know, some of the 
some of the things and, and they haven't seen some of the chaos that we've seen in the past, but, um, but, but, but they understand how to make API calls to deploy a VPC and how to get everything connected together. And, and, you know, they're writing their, um, they're, they're describing their network in a, in a JSON document to launch that with uh, Terraform or CloudFormation. So, so the, I, I do see these, these organizations that kind of take that approach and they have like a, a jack of all trades who's full stack and, and he or she is kind of doing it all. Um, other large enterprise organizations, will still have a whole team of network engineers and, and even specialized um, cloud net network engineers because in the cloud, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the complexity is abstracted and masked by the cloud services provider, but you still have things like active-active routing. Um, how do I connect my cloud to my on-prem data centers? How do I route between regions? Uh, multicast is present, jumble frames. Uh, high performance computing and you know getting like 100 plus gigabits per second between node clusters so so networking is still is still alive and very well i, I would say and, and network engineering um is 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 becoming like some of it some of that complexity is being abstracted uh but the field is still very complex for yeah, sure i agree i agree yeah. I th I th in, in some ways as well I've, one of the things we found was that that actually uh, a traditional bringing some of the traditional networking ideas to cloud actually breaks stuff as well because it, because things function so differently potentially in that abstraction layer. Um, you don't necessarily want to put a firewall in a particular place and push all your traffic through it because you don't have to. You know mm. there are alternative ways of doing things, and I think it's it's really important. Probably the most important thing when you're getting involved with the cloud networking is is having an open mind about what it have bring your experience. Bring all that stuff with you, but have an open mind with when you get there because things are different and things need to be different. And there's an op there's so many opportunities to do some really really cool stuff with that as well. That is interesting. Okay, so I didn't I didn't realize that, and I want to make sure we talk about a couple things there. Um, so you still need to be a network engineer. That's a that's a, an assumption there. You still need to design. Is that an accurate statement too? Like it's oh, yeah, it's not yeah. like you don't design anymore. So you you still need to be a network engineer and you still need to design, um, which I think maybe I'm wrong and I, you guys can tell me if I am. I feel like those are um, myths that like, hey, I'm moving to cloud. Well, I don't need any network engineers anymore. We're going to cloud. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's we don't need to, we don't need to be designing here. It's it's gonna magically work in the cloud, right? Um I don't I think that's a myth that we can debunk here that that you do need to be you still need to be having network engineers. You need a networking team. Um but you need those 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 people, those skill sets that have the networking understanding but also has the cloud understanding too. Mm. And how to that's go ahead Joel. Yeah, no, so, so, sorry, sorry, Zig, to jump in, but you know, you're absolutely right. Like some of the, um, the, 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 the timeless network concepts that you'll learn by like taking, uh, like for example, in, in this, in the CCDE certification, going through that, uh, that, that was extremely beneficial for me, not just to learn about the technology side of it, but there are some timeless concepts to it that, um, you know, the IT pendulum kind of swings back and forth from centralized and distributed and cloud. And um, I, I'm confident that at the end of my career, those, those CCDE um, timeless and these are business or um, some, some of them are, are, are skills that, um, that are just applicable, whether, whether you were working with mainframes, you know, a long time ago or, uh, or, or new technologies like cloud computing, um, high performance computing. So, so definitely design and architecture is something that I think is a skill that will never go away for sure. Yeah, agreed completely. I mean, is if and if and if nothing else, you know, broader than, than ever. It's as much around operational process and all of that sort of good stuff. I mean, that's the the beauty of 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 the DE process for me was to come out of it and realize that this isn't just about putting a network topology together that looks mm -hmm. nice and shiny and clever and whatever but being able to operate it right being able to actually put it into a business scenario it delivered the business requirement of of being able to provide service but also is able to be maintained you know there's no point in putting in a nice shiny new network of a vendor that no one's ever heard of before because you can't get the support or you can't get the people who are skilled in it it's that sort of situation and i think you know, to some extent, I think cloud suffered a little bit from that initially because I think people were thinking, "Oh, yeah, we'll do this stuff," and then couldn't support it and or or didn't have the the knowledge and the understanding. Things have changed a lot 
So, I so mean, uh, certification wise, we're we're way ahead now of where we were even a few years back. So. And I want to get into certifications in a minute, right? But I want to want to harp on something that, or give an example, Darren, to what you said, right? So, when 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 cloud first came out, I was working at a SaaS company, a software as a service company, and, and the development team came out and said, "Oh, we're moving to cloud. We're doing it. We're moving it." And, and there was an executive that said, "Yep, we're going to do everything in a month. Needs to be in cloud." And so we had this mad dash, right? And we have applications, we have staging, development, production applications, and we had to move everything to cloud. And then that first month came, that first like bill, that first month came and they were like, what? We didn't save any money. We have a double the bill that we usually spend. And it was like this huge ice, like almost like you, you know, the deer in the headlights look like, oh <laughs> man, we made a bad choice. So there, there, you know, I think, I think there's implications here. Like we have to make sure we're doing things for the right reasons that, that, you know, we are, the three of us are designers, right? We're going to design things for the right reasons. But when you get someone that's like, Hey, I can see, we can save a ton of money and we just throw everything in cloud. Also, we don't need to worry about that network team doing stuff anymore. We can just do it ourselves. And you know, it's that shadow it shadow cloud, shadow automation, whatever wording you want to throw out there. Right. Um, and then you have these pockets of cloud instances and they're not governed together. There's no, SSO, single sign-on. There's no uh, financial reporting system on how much it's being spent and who's spending how much. Um, and those were like lessons learned 15 years ago. Those are like lessons learned 15 years ago. I might be dating that a little bit. I might be off on the time frame. Um, but now we know that stuff. That's where I'm like, we know that we might have to do things a little different. We just can't throw everything in the cloud and have it all on all the time and not be utilizing it, right? It's based on what Joel said. It's a consumption model, right? Like if we don't need a service, it doesn't need to be on, right? Like that's that's the first thing. There's some lessons learned there and I'll stop for a minute and let you guys poke holes into what I just said. Yeah, no, what, what, what I would say, Zig, is like the, the cloud, it also offers the ability, focusing on on some of the tenants of the CCDE is again, like what, what I learned from from going through and studying and taking the exam um, was was not 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 always to focus on like the the end technical solution or, or or always leading with like having a you know a long technical background that was always my comfort zone but focus moving up moving up in the stack focusing on the business focusing on the mission statement so for example an organization that's that's approaching IT um, maybe there's the opportunity to move what we call some of that undifferentiated heavy lifting or or where, where they're spending a lot of time and effort doing something that doesn't necessarily align to their mission statement. Mm -hmm. So think of like a retail organization or a bank or a government entity. Are they in the business of running and maintaining data centers and running and maintaining networks? Maybe not. They still have to do it. But when you when you go into the cloud, what you can do is, and in your case, Zig, um, you know, a SaaS provider, and, and this happens a lot where customers want to move to the cloud, they, they set these, these really aggressive objectives, it could be 30 days or 50 days, but, but what often happens is they'll take a migration approach where they'll just lift and shift everything, they'll get into the cloud quickly. That, that can be done to evacuate a data center quickly, but where, where you get the biggest benefit is where um, you're able to refactor, and yeah. you don't have to refactor right away. You refactor and you start to consume some of the managed cloud service provider services. And, and in networking, there are things like the Elastic Load Balancer. There's the uh, the Transit Gateway. Um, AWS came out with uh, the AWS Network Firewall a few months ago. So these are managed services that, again, you're pushing the responsibility of, of the, the maintenance and the operation, the scaling, the availability of that particular service. You do have options of running commercial uh, network appliances in the cloud as well. That that's always going to be there. But but as an organization, you should kind of step back and think like, is this is this our mission statement? Is it our is it in our best interest to spend effort doing this, where we can kind of push that to the cloud services provider? We abstract that complexity away, and we can focus on other things. And and network engineers will still have a role to play. But maybe they're doing something more related to to architecture and design and, and working with the application teams versus worrying about uh, layer two and layer three <laughs> protocols, right? <laughs> yes. So that's a great point you make, right? And I know Darren wants to chime in too. So no, no. I'll be I'll be quick. Um, that's a great point you make, right? I learned a lesson. Uh, me as a network engineer, right? Uh, I think I was a senior network engineer at the time. I learned a lesson, right? Like we threw everything in the cloud. We were under the impression that it was going to solve all the problems at the time, but we didn't handle it the right way, right? We had a... a, a a rapid time frame, and we were trying to make that business leader happy, right? And um, but we didn't understand what we didn't know, 
or like I, I like to say, we didn't know what we didn't know, right? Um, and, and now what you say makes perfect sense. So like, like we should have refactored the applications. We should have refactored things. We should have removed redundant capabilities. We don't need the same application in 20 different places. Like there's a whole bunch of things that we could have done to make it more effective and more efficient and also saved a ton of money. Um, and so I guess the lesson there that I'm telling everyone is that I did things wrong, right? As a network engineer, don't do that, right? Refactor the applications like, and, well, and, and use the services. Go ahead, Darren. I was going to say, it's more about, about knowing your options, right? And, and I think this, is, this was the problem because to some extent, it was an education thing, right? It, that, that no one understood or appreciated that, that actually to, to carry this migration out means that certainly if you go if like joel says you do a lift and shift there are mechanisms that make that work and and happen and and there are you know you can you can run your virtualization that you run in your own data center in the cloud if you want to but that's not going to get you the best and most efficient Mm -hmm. use of the cloud resource because because of the requirements of that virtualization right so it comes back it comes all the way back to our to our DCs and our our stretched VLANs that we were there for vMotion, right? That that no one ever used because it didn't work properly, but that was why it was there, and so we had to put that in place. Well, this is why those, those you know this is a similar similar issue, but the fact is that that when we get to the the cloud, we have a we still have a journey because you've still got mechanisms and available to you to fix those problems. Finally fix those application problems and that's the beauty of of the cloud to a great extent in that those mechanisms are there and available to use but but you've got to know they're there and you've got to understand the implications of using them and i think that that education piece from a network perspective you know people are catching up and understanding that that's got to be done so you know people need to know more I'm I'm a big believer now in in every time I speak to to, to network engineers in getting them to 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 understand DevOps as we've already mentioned Joel you're spot on with that because you know if people understand the the, the need for for DevOps and and the, the the processes and why they're doing that then it gives them the opportunity to understand the bigger impact of 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 what those things do but also you know the the cloud connectivity piece is so key now and, but, and I'm not just talking about how to get to the cloud because that's important, right? We need to understand how you, because no one's ever going to not have any on-prem networking. There's always going to be a requirement of some sort to have, have that. So there's that piece to understand. And that's your your direct connects and your transit gateways and and all of that sort of good stuff. But also the the other aspects is the, the, the networking in the cloud and, mm-hmm. and understanding how availability zones are interrelated and what regions look like and why you put stuff in one region and another and which services need to be split across and which can't be. You know, those sorts of things are absolutely key. And there's loads and loads now of really good resource to to, to educate people on that. And I think if, if a cloud, if a network engineer isn't, you know, looking at those fundamentals of cloud networking now, then they really should be, you know, because because they need to understand both in cloud and and the connection back to on prem. That's that's exactly it. Yeah, and from my from my perspective, like my background was traditional network engineering, working with data centers, campus networks, service provider networks, and I, I made a choice about four years ago to about yeah, actually about three and a half years ago to start to educate myself and learn a little bit more about cloud computing and a lot, like if, if you have a traditional network background, you'll find that these concepts, you'll pick them up very quickly. Like, uh, because a lot of it is um, routing, like like IP routing hasn't changed. Um, static routing and, and using BGP, you don't, ha- you don't have to be like a, a BGP specialist, but um, th- those technologies are still applicable in the cloud and, and concepts like multicast and IPv6 are still there as well. One, one thing I wanted to bring up is connecting data centers to the cloud. You're absolutely right. That hybrid network will be in place for organizations. Some organizations will, will work like that forever. Um, some customers that are kind of choosing to go into the cloud and, and go all in with the cloud service provider have an end goal to ev- ultimately evacuate the data center and close it down. But what happens is, it's important to understand that going to the cloud isn't like once you're there, your journey isn't over. 
because what I haven't, I haven't talked about this, but in, in, in with cloud computing, um, a cloud service provider will launch new services and features on, on a daily basis. Like they're continually continuously yeah. um, doing research and development and customers that are consuming those services benefit from it right away. So, so if you think of like a, a network appliance, let's say that there's a new version or, or a new feature that's available, you have to perform uh, an upgrade of that appliance. And, and, that, and that's up to you as the network administrator to do it. When you're consuming a service that's managed by a cloud service provider and new, new capability, and this could, let's say for example, it's IPv6 or multicast or, or jumble frame support, um, you get to benefit from that new capability automatically. So again, once you're in the cloud, there's still a lot of work to do to kind of keep up with these, these new functionalities and the faster networks and the new, uh, the new uh, features that are made available in those network services. So, so you, can't set it, you can't set it and forget it then. You really got to keep kind of doing yeah. it, right? Go ahead, Darren. You want to say something? There's, there's, yeah, no, there's another aspect to that though as well because things can be deprecated just as quickly as they're started, right? So you might be using a service mm. and um, a new service comes along that, that supersedes that. You've got to, you've got to look at that to move on because at some stage that that previous service might get deprecated and and that can happen I mean it doesn't happen as quickly but it could in theory you know be be because of the the development cycle because essentially these folks are using the very same mechanisms and the very same methods that we've talked about you know agile lean devops type scenarios that that you have to consider that you have to move with the with the cloud provider, and I think that that's a really good uh, really good point actually, Joe. I'd, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of not really considered that, but uh, yeah, you've got to you've got to make the difference, I suppose, and make the changes to your own operational capability to to go with it because you've you've you have to fit that same uh, consumption model that you you're presented with. Exactly. Yeah. So that that's this has been great, guys. So a couple of things, right? We talked about the business reasons. We talked about why, right? Which I think is imperative. Like we can't have a conversation about anything without why. Um, so why does a business need it? What's the impact if they do if they don't do it? That kind of stuff. We talked about some of the use cases, right? We talked about new services, even though we didn't call it out. We talked about a company wanting to test something out. Dev, you know, have an idea, right? Um, I wake up in the morning at one. I have an idea. Let me go. You know, get my AWS account and test it out. Um, go do some coding. Um, we talked about moving your apps to the cloud, right? And what you should do, what you shouldn't do kind of thing, right? You shouldn't just move everything over there and not do anything. You should probably refactor it, um, tweak it, and use some of those microservices or the, those managed services items that Joel was mentioning. We talked about uh, the connectivity options to cloud, right? So we really kind of talked about a lot of things here, but we talked about the connectivity options to cloud. Um, and then we talked about... Um, Direct connects and routing and multiple uh, active-active connections and how, at a high level, how it would function or that it's an option there. Um, something that I want to just talk about a little bit, guys, is if it's okay, um, where should actually people start, right? Like we, we talked about a lot, right? And we talked about having a network background and DevOps and all these things, right? So where should people start? What do you guys think? I'll let you go first, Joe. Yeah, so what I would recommend, and, and I'll just kind of talk about my own path and the, that I took to, to become more fluent with cloud computing. Um, you, don't, you don't have to start as a network engineer. So if, if your background is traditional networking, it, it helps to have uh, a, a grasp of the, of the basic concepts. So if you have a CCNA or even doing something like Network Plus, just understand like the basics, IP subnetting, um, switching, uh, maybe you know a little bit about network security, but again, back, back to what I was saying earlier, I've I've seen some some college and university graduates that have a computer sciences degree, um, that have a software engineering background, that that become full stack engineers and can can deploy um, well architected networks in the cloud. So you don't you don't have to be a network expert. Um, so so there, there there's kind of like two approaches. If you have a if you have a non networking traditional software background. Um, leverage that and start to experiment with with um, cloud networking. Um, if you're coming from a network background, those skills will be extremely valuable, and you could you could do training. There are videos, or there's actually um, an AWS Advanced Networking book um, that, that you could you could you know read the the soft copy or the hard copy, and you'll find that your net and and this is the, this is the approach that I took. My networking skills were were extremely relevant, and I was able to relate networking to cloud computing and, and kind of pick it up really quickly. Yeah, I mean, for, from, for me, I 
I had little choice. I suppose I was working in a scenario where I was working with folks who were doing that migration week in, week out. And so, and so from a, from a network, I, I very quickly realized I've got all this networking capability, but I don't see, I, I, it was just a black hole in my knowledge. And so, and so for me, I, I started looking at the, the cloud practitioner exams and started looking at the, the, the fundamentals of in Azure or whatever, those those were great for sort of setting the setting the, the foundation, I suppose. Understanding when someone says cloud computing, what do they mean? What services are available? How do you approach it so that as a networker coming to it, I could start to talk the same language as the full stack developer and the and the cloud folks who knew what they were they wanted and what they were talking about, but I could also translate that into what the networking capability that sits underneath it probably was and certainly was in terms of getting the connectivity into the on-prem and so that was that was where i started with it i mean that was very much fundamentals or, or uh, sort of print first principles and then start to look at whether you know the, the specialization that that advanced networking specialty um in, in for aws is awesome because it, it the way it lays out all the services out with a, that network-centric view just changes your understanding completely of, of what it is that you're trying to achieve. Yes, I failed the exam first time, but but now I'm revising and reviewing the uh, the material. You know, it makes a whole load of sense. And I think that, that f- from a design perspective particularly, allows you to bring all of your application knowledge and certainly as a, as a network designer, all of those things that you've ever learned, you, 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 you need them all bring them together with this advanced knowledge and um and there's some you know th- the possibilities are endless and i think that's really really good it's great great time to be a network engineer <laughs> um so i i think this is great right I, I was asking the questions because again i want people to understand how they can start into this uh cloud world right because that's that's where we are today we're i mean i don't know any customers that aren't using some form of cloud that i deal with and that's and i deal with the 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 government space and that's you know with a lot of constraints and and other requirements and yet they're still using cloud so i don't know anyone that's really not embracing some form of cloud um you know i like the two different approaches i like how joel how you kind of started out and then you suggested someone should have some background in networking maybe comptia network plus maybe ccna of some sort um and then you know darren you're like yeah um the cloud certifications themselves right like you can go and it's okay if you fail them guys it's okay right it's not a big deal if you fail it's fine <laughs> so thanks <Ike. laughs> no but what, what, on a serious what? note though it, it, it's okay you're if you're absolutely fail. right Joel, you no, want to say course. something no, I was, I was just going to mention like one, one other neat thing that you could do if, if you're coming from a traditional networking background is and, and you're interested in learning about network programmability and, and you know, the automation, um, the, the cl- cloud is great for that because yeah. so, so, for example, if, if you don't know a lot about things like version control and, and writing Python code and, and pipelines, um, it could be a little bit overwhelming. But if, if you cre- if you create a, a, an account with a cloud services provider, um, those AP, those network service APIs are wide open, and you can actually run Python code that will interact with them. So it, it's it's really easy to to kind of get started, and uh, and write some simple code, or write some, or you 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 know you could deploy um, CloudFormation or Terraform infrastructure as code to deploy your your cloud network. So you're sort of learning about the concepts of cloud computing and cloud networking at the same time learning about network programmability. So, so you know, there's you, you can kind of kill many birds with one stone by sort of like kind of dipping your toes and experimenting with the cloud. That's awesome. That's a great idea. I mean, I mean, that, that's one of the things actually from, because um, network automation is a big sort of part of what I do these days. Mm-hmm. And API and, you know, API um, integrations form a huge part of that. So to be able to practice that in a networking but also cloudy way, you like say three birds with one stone. That's fantastic. There you go. Yeah, that's that's awesome. I, I love your reference to cloudy too. By the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that. I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna tactfully acquire that. Uh, so so one topic left I want to talk about. We kind of 
covered it briefly, uh, and I want to talk about designing in the cloud um, and what what specifically are some of our design decisions, design options that we have to as as designers, right? Because we've already touched base that you're still going to be a network engineer, but you have to know what's there, which the certifications, the learning, and how do you get started are going to teach you what you don't know, right? They're going to teach you what you don't know, and then now. Once you do know what's there, how what do you need to design, right? And, and maybe this is to Joel, maybe it's to Darren. I don't know. You guys can choose who wants to answer it first. But you know, design designing in the cloud. What are what are our design decisions? Darren, do you want to go first? Yeah, go on, man. You, okay, it, it, you you know me so well. It's, <laughs> just so, like, just just start talking. Go for it. Yeah. So there's there's a couple of things, and again, network architecture is still relevant it's important when you're looking at cloud computing um, there's there's a whole there's a whole bunch of things that you need to take into consideration so one is um, you know for hybrid networking how are you planning to connect your data centers or your branch offices to the cloud so uh, software defined wide area networking or sd wan is is something that integrates very well with the cloud so running these these sd wan virtual appliances um, as as vms or as virtual machines Connecting those to your branch offices that gives you your your um, or I, I would say branch office to cloud connectivity. Um, you can throw in some if you have data centers in there as well. How do you connect your data centers to the cloud? It could be using IPsec VPNs or something like Direct Connect or Express Route. But you you want to you want to take advantage of one of the characteristics of cloud, which is the ability to leverage high high availability. So going going back to traditional on-premise data centers and, and when I worked in those environments, a lot of the times we had single points of failure and these could be network appliances, a, a, an entire data center to me is a single point of failure. So when you're doing something in the cloud, leverage that that HA capability and ensure that you're, you're sort of doing it right and, and you're mitigating um, any single point of uh, or, or network device or even data center um, a, uh, it could be a cloud region if, if it happens to fail, you know, that causes an outage. So um, take that into consideration in your design and eliminate those single points of failure because it, it's it's pretty straightforward to do so when, when you're in the cloud. So so my my take on this one, because I've, I've always got to I I sometimes used to introduce single points of failure depending on how applications or services might fail. So it, it it almost, I mean, it's exactly as you described, right? The, the fact is you've got all this resilience and you've got all this availability, but you may not have actually um, the five nines or whatever that you were expecting for, for a particular um, function. What you've got to make sure is that, that you're delivering the appropriate um, availability in the connectivity for the application service because a lot of the application might be looking after some of this for you right you might have a scenario where you lose an instance because you've you you're you've hit that 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 one nine that you know two, you've gone one nine too far and and you've hit hit a problem well hey your load balancing looks after that because you know um, you, you, you instead of balancing across um, three instances you balance across four and you you let one fail because you and because in the time it takes to fail and and fail over in the network your load balancing's already resolved that and it's off doing its thing so so again it comes back to looking at those those services how they're deployed the amount of time it takes to fail over and and understanding the impact on the application um, before you worry about the five nines or the six nines you know or, or whatever it is you know so so I think um, I think I think this comes from us almost always over provisioning um, uh, availability in the network in data centers in in the past. I think, and that that's that's what it's always felt like that we've almost tried to put too much availability in the network and not not being concerned about. And this comes back to applications being able to handle the fact that that uh, the network isn't as available as it perhaps perhaps it always wanted to be and that, that you had situations where network network doesn't always fail hard does it it doesn't always isn't always hard down if it goes wrong it, sometimes you get these these sort of gray failures where things stay up and and just stop passing traffic or or whatever and so the application failover is becomes a lot more resilient because if if an application session fails over a particular link, all you do is just drop that application session and and establish another one in a different direction if it's not already been established. 
using things like load balancing, using things like DNS to resolve these issues before it even gets to the network. And and then your your design is completely completely different. You've moved all the the you know that availability to to somewhere else, um, and you're using the, the the constructs of the application. Uh, to resolve those issues so so yeah i think it's a combination of two things i think joe yeah. you're absolutely right that there's so much more resilience um so many more so many so far fewer single points of failure in a in in those cloud environments i mean you only have to see some of those those crazy diagrams of uh, of leaf spine super spine uh, architectures that you see sometimes in in uh, in the press um you've got all that but you and you, and you can just use all that. But again, take the opportunity where you've refactored your applications to do the migrations, where you've used those 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 um, those services that are available to you. Put put that resilience and redundancy and availability into the application. That's awesome. Yeah, and and just just one one other thing, if I if I could just add this in, this this seems like a simple. Um, thing to network designers, but but a recommendation that I was uh, that I would make is whenever you're you're thinking about deploying into the cloud, uh, do yourself a favor and allocate a larger side range than than what you might anticipate. And and it's just because of the the scale and the elasticity that organizations benefit from the cloud. Um, the networks network engineers don't always realize that. And and you know if if you could allocate a slash a, a couple of slash sixteens, large side ranges, you may not need all of it. Um, but but you'll thank me down the road when uh, when it's time to when when that network does grow because you'll have you'll have those uh, those IP subnets available. So uh, go 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 bigger than uh, than what you might think. Yeah. Where were you fifteen a, years ago? Where were you? 15 years ago? <laughs> I have a suggestion. I have a suggestion. Go IPv6. Yes, exactly. Pro- problem yeah. problem solved. Oh, yeah, and, and I think, exactly. but I think you're right. I mean, it's the perfect opportunity, isn't it? To mm-hmm. go to go to v6 as well because you're not having to maintain and manage the infrastructure to support it because it's because it's available to you or or well to an extent right um uh, in the cloud environments anyway so darren's but, uh, telling everyone to go ipv6 so if you're yeah, mad about that you can, you can ping him and yell at him so it's time come on we've, we've been messing I, around with this I, one for too long joel to that point i was i when i first was doing it we we allocated a slash 24 to to AWS, <laughs> and it was used in the first week. And it was like no joke. It was gone the first week, and we were like, "Uh, okay." And so we allocated a second slash twenty four, and it was gone within the first the first month. And I was like, "Yeah." So we we made a mistake here, um, and then we yeah, allocated we, a slash sixteen. <laughs> so. But Zig, that's the same mistake that people were making when they first deployed them on prem. You know what I mean? It's natural because you're trying to reserve the resource, right? Yep. Then go V6, and you've not got to worry about conserving space. You know, no. Every every IPv4 address can have its own slash sixty four IPv6 range. So, so yeah, I got you. I hear you. Hey guys, I appreciate it. Um, So real quick, any last minute comments? I'll go to Joel first. Any last comments, questions, concerns, thoughts, ideas that you want to share with everyone listening today? Yeah, I would say like for any anyone who's listening who has a background in network engineering, again, you don't have to become a software engineer or a DevOps expert overnight, but just understanding um, if, if you're if you're looking at learning more about cloud computing, understanding the fundamentals of, of how networks are built in the cloud, how things are abstract a little a little bit, how hybrid networks uh, function, and and experiment like open up uh, a cloud ser- an account with a cloud service provider and start to experiment with Python or with Terraform and see how you're able to like actually build an entire cloud network using software-defined networking by, by writing a little bit of code. And, and, and I think um, experimenting and getting your hands dirty will go a long way and it'll be really beneficial for your career. Awesome, Joel. All right, Darren, your turn, buddy. Any last minute comments, concerns, questions, comments, thoughts, whatever, yeah. I'm repeating myself, go ahead. Mine's, my, mine's easy, what, what Joel said. Because, because you know, he's the guy who knows. You know, I mean, I mean, a lot of mine is just observation through through um, what I've experienced going through it. Know the applications that you're delivering. Know and understand the you know the impact of network on that. But otherwise, exactly everything that Joel said is is obviously the right answer. Awesome, awesome. All right, we're uh, we'll start with uh, Darren this time. Where can listeners find you on the interwebs? 
So um, I'm on Twitter um, at Darren Fullwell or LinkedIn is the usual place where uh, where I hang about. But I've got oh, I'm on so many Discord groups now. What's what is this with Discord? You know, it's everywhere. Um, you'll hunt all the Discord groups. You'll find me. Somewhere. Just join them all, and you'll find Darren in one of them yeah, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can join the Zigbits Discord server, and you can talk you to go. Darren one on one. Just, just throw that out there: zigbits.tech/discord. Joel, where can people find you on the interwebs if they want to keep this AWS conversation going? They want to ask you questions. They want to, you know, figure out stuff from an AWS standpoint. Where can they reach out to you, buddy? Yeah, the two best ways to reach out to me if, if you wanted to chat or, or connect or ask any questions. So I have my personal website, which is joeldazonier.com. And you could also find me on LinkedIn. So just, just search for me and, uh, and you know, welcome to connect and, and chat further about this for sure. Awesome. Awesome. Hey, guys, you guys are both rock stars. I just got to say thank you for your time today. This has been a great show. I appreciate it. And I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks, Ig. Great fun as always. Hey, friends, nerds, geeks, and Ziglets. That's going to close out today's episode of the Zigbits Network Design Podcast, where you learned why you should get started with AWS networking today, right now. Today's show notes will be at zigbits.tech slash 86. Hey, in case you missed it, at the beginning of today's show, I mentioned that we opened up the doors to my network design course called Designing Network Architectures and Ensuring Business Success. Hey, if you're interested to hear more about my course or are ready to enroll right now, visit zigbits.tech slash DNA. Oh, yeah, and don't forget to use the discount code Best Network Designer, all one word, all caps, at checkout to save 10%. Hey, if you want to have live network design conversations right now, join the Zigbits Discord community. There are a ton of highly skilled experts ready to help you with your network design questions. Um, I, there's even some mentors in there now, some Zigbits mentors that can help you with any of those design questions that you have. You can go to zigbits.tech slash discord to join. It's 100% free community. Um, we're all there just to help each other. Go ahead and join, and you can send me a message and say hi. If you like today's episode, let us know. You can find more Zigbits network engineering, network design, and network architecture content, including technical podcasts, monthly webinars, YouTube videos, and that dedicated community on Discord. All of this content I just mentioned is 100% free. You can find all of this and much more at zigbits.tech. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Zigbits, and you can find us on LinkedIn. Sign up for our free weekly newsletter, The Network Design Digest, filled with the best network design content in network engineering at zigbits.tech slash newsletter. Now remember, don't forget to attack your goals, attack the day, attack your life, and make progress, my friends. And until next time, bye for now.